Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I am your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. Here I am in spite of Roger's internet determination not to have me here. I bested <laughs> them. I, I stomped them into the ground like St. George and the Dragon. I'm here. And the Blood God. I, the, blood the Blood God. God. Blood God's blessings are upon the you. Blood God is, uh, is upon everyone today. Also joining me is the man who made us all happen today. It's Eric Van Allen. Hello. Hi. I'm definitely not like a ball of anxiety and stress right now <laughs> as we get all this going. Don't worry about it. I'm doing great. <laughs> and who are our two special guests? I should go first, yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> hi, um, I'm Kihun. Uh, I'm a I'm a freelance journalist, and I pretty much write for um, I would like to think probably a, a couple of sites. Um, what else should I say about myself? Um, I'm based in Singapore. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. <laughs> Good to have you. Great to have you, Kihun. And who else do we have with us? Uh, hi, I'm Jay Costello. I'm also a freelance writer, also write for all of the similar sites to Kihun. <laughs> um, I'm not based in Singapore, I'm based in the UK. <laughs> if you're joining us for the very first time, of course, Axe of the Blood God is a podcast dedicated to all things RPGs. We normally do a live show on Fridays for our patrons, but today we're doing it for everybody, and we're doing it very early in the morning, West Coast, and very late at night in Singapore, so that we can kind of encompass as many people as we possibly can, because we are in the middle of a charity stream benefiting Trans Lifeline, and we're going to be going all day and into about 8 p.m., and there's so many events. You can go over to our Twitter to check out everything that is going to be happening we're giving away an Xbox Series X, Tales of Arise Special Edition. Uh, we have a lot of stretch goals. If we get to $1,000 uh, to start, we're going to be releasing a Persona 5 Pantheon episode for everybody to listen to on the free feed. It's one of our best ones. So let's do that. Uh, thanks so much to Experience Share of Alameda for their genera- generous donations. I wrote generation. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> in this episode... We're going to be revisiting a somewhat controversial topic, which was we put Fallout New Vegas at the top, number one of our top 25 RPGs of all time list. Some of y'all were like, what? Fallout New Vegas? You barely even talked about Fallout New Vegas. We're going to talk about Fallout New Vegas today with a Pantheon mini. And we're also going to be talking about Valkyrie Elysium because we haven't really had a chance to talk about it. And you know what, guys? That trailer's looking all right. I'm kind yeah. of into it. It's, a, it's a, definitely a big improvement over the last one. The last one, yep. everyone was kind of laughing because the Valkyrie's hair was one big solid like Barbie piece. And <laughs> it just looked awful. But no, it actually looks closer to what you might want, Kat. Maybe uh, battle system notwithstanding. Yeah, no kidding. We'll get to that in just a moment. If you enjoy the podcast, do us a favor. Please go ahead and leave us a review on the podcast of your choice. It brightens our day and also increases visibility of the podcast you can follow me on twitter at the underscore cop catbot nadia is at nadia oxford and eric is at cmoosi s-e-a-m-o-o-s-i and kihun and jay where can we find you we'll start with you jay uh yeah you can find me on twitter at jm castello j-a-y-m-c-a-s-t-e-l-l-o excellent and you do a lot of freelancing for fanbyte am i right uh yeah that's one of the places that i do a lot of stuff and sort of 
oh, all over the place. It's like Kiyun said, <laughs> it just ends up being everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and how about you, Kiyun? Um, you can find me on Twitter as well. So I am Crapstacular. So C-R-A-P-S-T-A-C-U-L-A-R, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Gotta check. Yes. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> we're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where we're going to have a couple months specials this month. Uh, tomorrow at 8 a.m. Pacific, so right now, we're going to be having Ben Hansen on, and we're going to be doing a ranking special, which we rank our favorite RPG parties in honor of the excellent Dragon Quest XI, which just went into the Pantheon. We also have a game developer quest on tap for Monolith Soft. And of course, if you subscribe to our Patreon, you also get access to Charlotte Dropouts, which is Nadia's podcast about Final Fantasy XIV. And we have a Xenogears monthly game club. That is a go over on the Discord. So patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. All right. Time to get started. Let's talk about what we have been playing, our sacrifices to the Blood God. And Jay, you're our special guest. What have you been playing? <laughs> um, so this week I have been just underwater in uh, Dorf Romantic, which uh, came out, I think, last year. Um, it's like a puzzle game, kind of very chill, um, sort of city builder type thing. But it's mostly about um, sort of aligning tells to make like this beautiful uh, countryside scene um, and I've really really been enjoying it I picked it up in the Steam sale so it's been one of those um, and the other thing is uh, I haven't technically been playing it but I've been watching a Let's Play of The Quarry um, because I'm too scared to play that by myself <laughs> but it's oh, a bit no. of a recent thing um, so yeah there's a really good Let's Play by um, Cat Brewster and Jack DeKeat that I've been watching uh, I think you can find Cat on Twitch at Cat Bam Kapow um, and I would definitely recommend it. They have been uh, making sure that I can sort of experience that without scaring myself to death. <laughs> I heard uh, The Quarry is an amazing party game. Yeah, yeah. It definitely seems like something you want to play with, like, people you know, like, just hang out, pass the controller <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. I haven't really been playing, uh, playing a lot lately, but um, recent, I've just gotten into Diablo um, Immortal. Um, mm. mainly because um, it was just out in, in our region, in Southeast Asia. So um, the game was... I, I, I was I, I was thinking that the game was probably rolled out across different regions. Um, and, you know, Southeast Asia happens to always be the last one to receive this kind of stuff. So yeah, I've been playing um, um, Diablo Immortal. It's... Um, there is a lot of controversy about it, obviously, with the whole um, microtransaction stuff. But I thought it was a pretty good game, and um, I, I, I was, I'm a fan of all uh, all three Diablo games, and I just thought that the whole experience was translated really well to mobile. And to be honest, um, I don't play a lot of mobile games. I was just looking forward to this one. And yeah, I found myself like like really enjoying the game, um, despite the 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 microtransactions and you know all that sort of stuff. Yeah, did you, did you find yourself in a situation where you had to pay? Like, have you been able to avoid microtransactions so far? Um, I don't really have to pay for the microtransactions. I was tempted to at some points in time though, because like um. The thing is, the game is free, right? And sometimes they have really nice costumes. 
So I was contemplating it, but um, because he spends so much time um, um, kind of just like clicking on the clicking on the screen and all that kind of stuff, it, it's not like every few seconds or so they will just throw like like a uh, a uh, uh, suggestion for you to to pay. It's the 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 whole micro microtransaction thing wasn't wasn't forced upon you that much, mm. at least for how much I've played so far anyway. So yeah, it is fine. Eric, what are you playing? Well, let's keep the Activision Blizzard train collar tugging rolling uh, because I'm I the only thing I've played this week when I wasn't playing learn how to use VMix for the stream was uh, Overwatch Two and the best I've game been poking away the beta. <laughs> Yeah, um, friend of the show, Kenneth Shepard, uh, has been enabling me in that way where he just DMs me randomly during the day like OW2 right now. <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever, I'll play some around. <laughs> um, and what a weird, weird thing Overwatch 2 is because it is essentially, I think in any other world, in any other game, this would have been billed as like, I, the the reference point I keep looking back to is Dota Reborn because around I think it was 7.0 Dota was like we're, we're redoing the whole thing everybody's getting changed everybody's getting completely swapped up and Dota patches are already huge like that but Overwatch wanted to do the two right they wanted to do what Destiny did where it was like we're going to Overwatch 2 and what is Overwatch 2 now that they've kind of pulled the PVE out and pushed it out into 2023 and uh, you know, said that we're, we're putting out the, the free to play the multiplayer free to play in October. Well, overwatch two does in some ways feel like a big update for overwatch one, which I think is going to be very disappointing for some people. Um, I will also say that like, I'm enjoying playing overwatch again. I have missed playing overwatch in a way. Um, and the other big change is that now it's five players per team instead of six. I don't think I've ever seen a multiplayer game go from more players to fewer players. Like it's the opposite of Battlefield, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where, like, guess what? Remember how you had a six person friend group that used to play Overwatch all the time? Somebody's <laughs> getting left out. <laughs> Somebody's staying home. Yeah. Who do you, hate, that, who do you like the least? That has honestly been one of the funniest parts because like there there are things I could talk about in terms of like the the beta and and how having only one tank feels. I think it's it's radically changed the game that tanks have to be much more up in the front lines that you kind of have some tanks like Diva feel very awkward now. Diva fit the off tank role very, very well. But in the main tank role, she's always felt a little lackluster when I've been playing as her in Overwatch 2. Uh, but it does also just have that element of there's one fewer person that you can queue with now. <laughs> and also uh, just the, the fights feel much more contained. And I think for some people that might be better. Uh, it's easier to keep track of where all the heroes are on screen now. Now that there's two fewer uh, in every game. But I think overall Overwatch 2 is interesting. It's cool. It's neat. I think it's just going to launch in October and a lot of people are going to jump back in for about a weekend or two. And then they're going to start. I like we've already seen some of the pieces that are like, well, Overwatch 2 doesn't even feel like it just feels like Overwatch again. And like, 
Yeah, it does. Like Overwatch is a live service game for, you know, it, it is League of Legends. It's Call of Duty, even like Call of Duty feels like it's just waiting for the day that it's going to finally turn into this. And uh, it's already most of the way there. I mean, yeah. Or like, I mean, go back to what inspired Overwatch, which is Team Fortress 2. And like Team Fortress 2 went through a lot of updates like this, too, where it's going to radically change the meta over time. And so I honestly think the two is really biting them in the butt right now because it's going to come out and they're going to be like, well, it doesn't feel like Overwatch 2. It doesn't. It just feels like a really big patch to Overwatch 1. So that's my takeaway. I think the new characters are really cool. I like Junker Queen. She's sick. Like, yeah, I wish she's pretty sick. More, I wish more tanks felt like Junker Queen because she's basically a DPS that's that's beefier. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> she has need. like sick moves where you like throw a knife and tug people in and stuff like that like you can scorpion people with your knife and all that um i i like a lot of the characters and i even think that some characters are like thriving where they didn't before it's a lot easier to play stuff like genji or tracer when you don't have a, like a second tank that could come bother you away from the the healers and all that so uh it's terrifying to play healer now but it's really fun to play a really bad tracer. <laughs> <laughs> RIP healers, I guess, as usual. Noted RPG Overwatch 2. As for me, I'm playing Live Alive. Uh, the demo is out right now. Um, Reb Valentine was on Nintendo Voice Chat. Reb and I are going to be playing uh, Pokemon Crystal for my Nuzlocke Revenge run in the next segment, starting at 10 a.m. Pacific. And uh, yeah, Reb really, really seems to love Live Alive based on what she's been playing. And so I'm like, all right. Well, I trust Reb implicitly. She has good takes on things. And so I started playing uh, Live Alive. I was playing through the Imperial uh, the, the, the Imperial mm-hmm. China um, yeah. section uh, where you're playing as a Kung Fu master and you're recruiting uh, new disciples and everything. Battle system is very, very simple from what I can tell, at least so far. It's just you move around on kind of a grid and uh, you select your attacks. Um, and there's a, a time bar. I haven't seen a ton of extra depth to it. It seems like it's much more focused on the actual story. The thing that I find interesting is that there are a lot of um, different endings that you can possibly be doing uh, for each of these different segments. Of course, you're telling different stories, such as uh, Wild West or Pro Wrestler, uh, sci-fi with a, a robot, and it's hitting on different movies and everything uh this came back in the on the came out on the super nintendo back in the mid 90s um i'm i'm generally digging it i really like the hd 2d look uh for this particular one i think it's very very well done they like really take advantage of it with a kind of like cameras and everything so um yeah i'm gonna keep playing it uh mostly because everybody keeps saying cat you gotta play live alive and i'm like all right fine yes i'm finally gonna get around to it (laughs) uh jay and kihun uh have you had a chance to check out live live at all i haven't no no not yet no yeah yeah you should go check it out um it's available as a demo and you can uh carry over your progress and as rpgs go it's only like 12 20 hours uh, so it's relatively short, so you can like kind of blast through it um, in a decent amount of time. I'm also playing uh, a little bit of Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. My my group is getting back together on Monday, and the reviews have been, I think we were kind of talking about this last week, the reviews have been just uh, so-so, I think. Um, a lot of people are saying it's not as intense as Iceborne, but hey, it's a Master Rake. 
a lot of new monsters mm. uh, to fight. And uh, yeah, we're going to be getting our group back together. I, I'm learning how to use a switch axe again. I was like, yeah, I remember this thing. It has electricity or something. So <laughs> it crackles. It's like a bloodborne weapon, basically, isn't it? Like it's got the the yeah. whole cane thing and all that. Yeah. The way it works is you can transform uh, into a heavy attacker or just like lighter sword. And your goal is to build up this meter um, until it gets blue. And then your switch axe starts crackling and you can do some like pretty sick combos with it and then actually you just climb onto the monster and you just do tons of damage that way uh it was the weapon that was featured during the monster hunter rise uh, speed run in summer games done quick uh speaking of summer games done quick did you see that the speed that a speedrunner actually got banned because they uh did a pre-recorded I, run yeah, yeah i don't know the full story behind that it was basically yeah. they just put up a, pre- a pre-recorded run that's that's what you're telling me so they did so, the actual yeah. revengeance run properly but when it came time to do the stretch goal for the the dlc they did a pre-recorded run for that one uh, yeah why? i don't uh, know they, I th- they wanted the dramatics they were like i think uh, the statement that was out there was something about like wanted to end on a high note or something and i was like i mean you ended on a note <laughs> whether that was high or low certainly <laughs> uh, a note we'll see um, round note I just Ooh. like to confirm at this point that there's a there's a segment during the stream that's pre-recorded and y'all won't know which one. Uh, I've got that power in my hands. So. Ooh. <laughs> it's a mystery. I should have just <laughs> done the Nuzlocke run. Should have done all my <laughs> yeah. segments pre-recorded. Why isn't Cat responding? Why is it winter <laughs> outside? Okay? This, this winter fight's outside. going very well for some reason. <laughs> Cat lives in Australia, I guess. It's winter outside. <laughs> Speaking of uh, my Nuzlocke run, actually, uh, when we were testing it out yesterday, I loaded up my save for my previous Nuzlocke run, which ended in failure with Morty. And I was just like, oh, what the hell? We're, we're testing out the stream. Let's see if I can beat him. I totally beat him. I totally mm-hmm. beat him mm-hmm. without anybody dying. It, Eric was a witness. Yep. And I was just yep. like, I didn't even have to go buy any more uh, full heals or awakenings or anything. I just totally so beat him. revenge. Like, I got my revenge. Nadia too was going chow chow chow, just chowed right through their team. I was like, as I do, as you do, Nadia too the Growlithe. Um, hey Eric, is the is the poll up yet for uh for my uh, starter in the the revenge? Uh, run? Yeah, the poll the poll should be live right now, so everybody yeah. who's watching this live can be voting with their donations to uh, determine who Cat's starter will be in the Crystal Nuzlocke run. Uh, so if you feel strongly about Chigarita, Totodile, or um, uh, Cyndaquil, right? Yeah, yeah, Cyndaquil. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can go vote for that right now. With is, is, do we do we know how the poll is going? Do we have any uh, insight we into that? We'll need a moment to pull that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, while we do that, Nadia, what have you been playing? Uh, I kind of, I mean, as I was kind of ranting about uh, at the beginning of this episode, uh, there was a massive, massive internet outage through. Uh, a large portion of Canada because, hooray, we have uh, t- two telecoms and it's a huge monopoly. So if 50% of Canada had no internet or cellular service for about 24 hours. So I decided, okay, I got to play something that's not Final Fantasy and not online. So I finally started up Amori. And I had started up before the the, uh, the outage, but I just kind of really sunk a lot of time into it yesterday. And it's like, yeah, that's, a, that's a heck of a, a nice little messed up game there, isn't it? Yeah, just a little bit. How far are you? Uh, I just started two days left. Okay, so you're still 
I mean, you're like pretty much right at the beginning, right? No, no, I'm I'm several hours in. Like I did, I just okay. finished the bit with uh, the what's her name's castle, Sweetheart's Castle. Oh, okay, wow. So you're like moving right along then. I'm moving right along, yeah. And um, I just want to go into the game and give Basil a hug. That poor kid. Holy crap. Oh yes, poor Basil. <laughs> okay, well now it's now I know that he's probably a jerk. But anyway, uh, I still feel bad for him. Oh no, did it? No, just just keep playing. You'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. The best thing to do is just never answer the door in that game and just uh, see what happens. It's quite yeah, a I'm thing. I'm gonna do that. That's a yeah. That's a then the game. I would assume the game stops because that's how <laughs> that's how things happen. You open the door. Oh no! I mean, I did open dark. the. I did open the door at one point. I kind of regretted that because there was like some sort of Five Nights at Freddy's shit on the other side. So <laughs> that was bad. But the. Um, Another time it was like Kel and it's like, hey, Kel, let's all go to the park and find out this really horrible, sad story about your former friends. And uh, it's a yeah, it's um extremely compelling game, extremely depressing. I love the the kind of pencil crayon uh, motif for the um, the world and the enemies, even though the world itself is a very simple overworld. So enjoying it very much, interested to see where it's going. And uh, I guess I'll have a full report on that next week or whenever. Yeah, it's beautiful too. And also relatively short. Yeah, um, yeah. Eric, do you have an update on that poll yet? I do. I have an update and it is Ooh. quite the shocking one. Uh, in third place right now is Totodile uh, with $90 uh, donated towards Totodile. Cyndaquil's coming in second at $135 and at a whopping $645 what? is Chikorita. You're going to be stuck <laughs> oh with Chikorita. I, I have a feeling you're going to be playing Chikorita. You know, it's just a hunch. Holy cow. <laughs> poor Totodile. I'm glad everyone's donating for, you know, just the, the high numbers are a good thing, but poor Totodile. They really want to make this hard mode for me, don't they? That, that, um, of course they do. That's the whole reason they're donating. For you here's to the thing. I actually I took Chikorita my previous run, and I was I was doing okay uh, with Chikorita for the most part um, because it. Oh, jeez. The first two gyms are a little rough if you're playing as Chikorita, but there are a lot of other elements that you can kind of breeze right through uh, when you're playing. Right. Uh, last time I lost Chikorita to uh, uh, Whitney with the mill tank. So, uh, well, not uh, because of freaking because of freaking rollout. So and and rollout. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm really sweating uh, the fight against Whitney. Honestly, that's a huge too. barrier. Yeah. I would just hire an assassin to go behind her and oh, where did Whitney go? Oh, she's <laughs> oh, sorry, Whitney. Yes, I'm she, going along. If Whitney were in the current generation, she would definitely be a fairy type. But in this one, she's, oh, absolutely, because she's all about being cute, right? I mean, she has a jigglypuff and everything, but of course, they didn't have. A fairy type at the time. The fairy type, the archetypal uh, transgender type in uh, Pokemon. But all right, that's what we've been playing. And now it's time for a series of random encounters. Sea of Stars has been delayed till 2023, but it has also been confirmed for PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. It will be purely turn-based, sorry, with no time bar, no random encounters, and it'll have timed hits. It looks vaguely like Chrono Trigger, but a little bit different because uh, Chrono Trigger's battle system was somewhat real-time, somewhat. Um, there was also, uh, Forspoken was also delayed till 2023, and don't want to be super mean about Forspoken, but 
Also, I mean, maybe it's for the best that it got delayed. I was going to say, it's probably for the best that it got delayed. They get a little extra polish. I, I think it could probably use it. Crisis Core Reunion won't have new story elements, but will have a ton of tweaks to gameplay as well as heavily updated graphics. Mikey Barra was interviewed by the LA Times where he defended Diablo Immortal's microtransactions saying vast majority of players are not spending money and saying that making it free to play gave them more access. Skyrim has a co-op mode now, thanks to a brand new mode. Actually, we had kicked around maybe doing Skyrim co-op as part of the stream. It would have been pretty fun. fun. Eric's favorite game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) just, you know how much I I love, live it down. I'm going to fight it till my last breath. Y'all are, mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm still in the right. And finally, Let Me Solo Her received a congratulatory sword from Bandai Namco for their Elden Ring run their exploits destroying uh mikola so So. what did they send to let me solo me who just kind (laughs) of comes and warped into the fray commits seppuku and takes off i hope they got something really cool i hope so too like everybody should get the everybody should get a sword there you go everyone who played elden ring should get a sword you get a sword you you finish elden ring great yeah Yeah. you can as far as i'm concerned if you can beat that boss you get a sword so Nadia, you you should get a sword, right? I mean, you actually beat her. I beat her. I, I actually got her sword in the game, and I'm like, hey, this kind of sucks. <laughs> so I was so <laughs> mad about that. Nadia is the one who's the most legit uh, player in this chat, unless uh, Jay and Kihun, you've played uh, Elden Ring, right? I played some, but I don't. <laughs> no sword for you. No. Um, I've wanted to start on it, but what got in the way? I will start on it soon. <laughs> you should start it. It's really yeah. good. I, I kind of like it's um great. because because um after I after I left um the gamer, so um Alexis Alexis Ong, you guys, I think some of you guys may know her, but like she was telling me, yeah, you know, you should you should you should take a break and like your break should be as long as um the time you'll take to 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 play Elden Ring and I was like, ah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how long that would take, but okay. Turns out I haven't taken a break yet, so yeah. <laughs> I uh, so Elden Ring is not a light undertaking. That no, game is 300 hours for me. Yeah, that game really kind of took over my life. Did you play it for 300 hours, Nadia? I played it for 300 hours. I was just dicking around the whole time and having a good time of it. That did kind of bite me in the ass, though, at the end, because then I had nothing left but boss after boss after boss. And, like, I'm talking about the most frustrating bosses, like Mikella and, uh, you know, the just all the end game bosses were waiting for mm-hmm. me. <laughs> so just kind of Hello. punching, punching their, their fist into their open palm, just waiting for me to come by. But I'm sure you were fine because you were grinding the entire time, so you were probably Oh, yeah, you know that, you know the little spot where you can just, like, kill those little peckerheads and uh, get, like... <laughs> 6,000 runes a minute or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, it's uh, a Who would, who would do such a thing? Farm harmless harmless enemies Farm for huge amounts of runes. Who would guy. do that? <laughs> I don't know. Not you, I'm sure. Mm-mm, um, mm-mm. We're doing an Eldering Bounty battle, battle today, aren't we, Eric? Yeah, that one is going to be interesting because we have Sam Greer, uh, Len Hafer, and Funke from uh, Fanbyte on to compete in what will be the first inaugural Elden Ring bounty battle. 
where they will get points for doing various things like defeating bosses and getting teleported by chests and I don't know. I have riddles that I'm going to read out at various points. They rhyme uh, and they will hint at things that they can do to get points as well. And then donors will also be able to suggest bounties that will like have points tied to how many dollars you donate. So you could come up with the weirdest bounty you want and submit it as well. Uh, So look forward to that. It's going to be chaos. I, you know, Every stream, I try to fly a little closer to the sun, and this is my Icarus moment of the stream. (laughs) But our top story is Valkyrie Elysium, the brand new entry in my favorite RPG series of all time. Valkyrie Profile is coming out on PC and Steam on November 11th and PS5 and PS4 on September 29th. We got a brand new trailer showing all of the action and the combo system. It's a big old action RPG. We got to see a Nibelung Velesti, which is the main attack in it. And I'm curious, what does everybody think of the trailer? I I thought that it was a major improvement on what we saw before. I think so too. In fact, I think I saw an old character. What's his name? Hector. I can't remember. I just remember I killed him by accident. And I was, I really shocked you all with that during the Pantheon episode, because you had no idea that these, these, uh, on Harrier could die. And uh, hmm. one of my guys just straight up died during training. And I'm like, oh, man. it was Yanis, I think. Yeah, yeah. But uh, honestly, I-, I think it looks pretty good. It certainly looks to the point where I'm like, you know what? This looks definitely a little better than the awful mobile thing it looked like before. It's enough that I'm perfectly happy to give it a try when it comes out. I've heard comparisons to Nier Automata in some ways. Um... I've heard that too. And it, it sort of fits, yeah. I've been pretty harsh on uh, the developers, Lyle, uh, just because they don't have much of a track record. Um, but as people were pointing out, uh, they did do a Samurai Jack game, which was uh, pretty well received, ultimately. Oh, I never played that. Yeah, so they might be have a little more pedigree as an action developer uh, than we thought. But, and I uh, mean, when you come right down to it, Retro Studios, that was a studio with no pedigree whatsoever, and it came out with some great <laughs> Metroid games. I mean, yeah, sometimes a studio comes out of absolutely nowhere uh, to be pretty good. But, you know, it's it's Valkyrie fighting a lot of giant monsters. Uh, it has a little bit of that Valkyrie profile vibe. Uh, hopefully it's every bit as dark and moody as I want. Of course, I miss the turn-based battle system, but I always do. Um, Jay and Kihun, uh, did you see this trailer? And do you have any history and or feeling general feelings about Valkyrie profile? Out of curiosity. Uh, start with you, Jay. Yeah, no, um, I thought the trailer looked really interesting, but I don't have like a lot of previous experience with that. So um, I'm kind of coming at it as sort of a fresh, fresh look. But yeah, it looked really interesting to me. Uh, as somebody who doesn't have a lot of history with Valkyrie Profile, did it move you to be like, ah, I want to check this out? <laughs> um, Yeah, definitely. Like, I think it's so difficult with trailers, right? Because I think that about so many games. <laughs> And then I'm like, oh my god, I have no time. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. Who does have time anymore? Seriously, too many games. Too Sweetly. many games. Uh, Eric, you're you're the action guy around here. Uh, do you have any any particular takes? Yeah, I mean, I love First Valkyrie Profile a lot. Um, it was one of those games that I rented from the local video store and had no idea what it was. I think I thought I was renting Vagrant Story and I got Valkyrie Profile by accident. Um, so I never ended up. 
yeah, I never ended up playing Vagrant Story and instead I just played a lot of Valkyrie Profile, uh, thinking they were basically the same game, essentially the same game in my mind. <laughs> um, but Valkyrie Profile uh, was just always, it's such a cool system that very few other games really tried to replicate outside of like Indivisible. And so as much as I'm excited, I think this new, I think Elysium looks good. I think honestly the art style is the biggest improvement for me, the like, shading that they did to kind of lift those characters off of the background and make it seem less washed out um really did a lot for me uh and i think the yeah, other combat looks more looks stylized fine. now absolutely absolutely less um we we grabbed some stuff off the unity store and threw a grayscale over it uh and more <laughs> and like over it. Yeah. yeah more more like they they had an idea to go i think that that lifting it off that background helped a lot but um, I'm honestly just as excited for Valkyrie Profile Leneth being on PlayStation. Uh, I, I don't think they've confirmed it for PC or anything, which is kind of a bummer because that seems like an ideal Steam Deck game if there ever was one. Uh, and I would like that for Wait, for Steam it's Deck. not going to be on Steam? It's going to be on Steam. It's just not at launch. I, just, yeah, not at launch. Yeah, we're going to play that whole game again. <laughs> so uh, I... I, I'm interested in it, but yeah, I'm really just excited about an excuse to play Valkyrie Profile again. Uh, and if Valkyrie Elysium turns out okay, it's kind of like uh, I bought Type Zero HD Final Fantasy just to play the Final Fantasy 15 demo, and so it's like, ah, uh, if the if the actual game's good, sure, whatever, why not? But I'm just buying it for the <laughs> the back end. That's so. a that's an age that kind of passed us by, where we used to just buy games to get the demos, like uh, uh-huh, the original. Uh-huh. Biggest example probably being what was it, uh, twelve ball number one to buy to get the Final Fantasy VII demo, and then you kids uh, don't remember what it was like. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> then you had to wait for pizzas to give you demo discs. <laughs> but uh, and then it was Zone of the Enders for Metal Gear Solid Two, I think. And uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think they quickly, quickly implemented a rule that you cannot buy this game and then return it after you take out the demo discs. Uh, speaking of which, Valkyrie Profile will be included in the digital deluxe. It's the PSP version, not the mobile version, which is better, in my opinion. Uh, it will also be available separately. So Jay and Kihun, uh, since you haven't played Valkyrie Profile, I recommend that you check it out because uh, it holds up. It's a great little PlayStation 1 game um, and also relatively short. You can kind of blast through it in uh, kind of a hurry. Um, and if you haven't checked it out already, we did a Pantheon episode. Valkyrie profile. I'm not gonna lie, I have a little regrets about not forcing it into the the top twenty five uh, RPGs. It, it would have been pretty fun to re- oh, displace was... Final Fantasy seven. <laughs> only there was a game at number twenty five we could have tossed out and put Valkyrie profile on for. You know, if only there was a video game there we could have gotten rid of. Uh, Eric, the Skyrim hater, uh, Kihun and Jay, uh, G- are you pro or anti Skyrim? Out of curiosity, um, very pro Skyrim. Yeah, there we go. go. See, yeah. see, we have good guests on the show. Why Team did Pro I Skyrim. Kihun, I can't believe this. <laughs> Stabbed in the been, back. Like, like, um, my partner and I have been waiting for for like co-op, um, Skyrim for the longest time. Um, so mm-hmm. previously, when um, you know, the Elder Scrolls MMO came out, we were like, uh, yeah, but also no. So this is perfect. <laughs> yeah, 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 this is perfect actually. Yeah, we're thinking of playing it soon. So. I don't. If I say I'm neutral on Skyrim, it sounds like I'm copping out at this point. But I'm pretty neutral <laughs> no, on Skyrim, honestly. That's a point for me. That's a point for me. <laughs> I didn't I realize he like... could be neutral on Skyrim. <laughs> 
I played it like um, like quite a long time after it came out, like like six or seven years after it came out. I just like never was interested in it when it first came out, and then I was like, okay, I should really play Skyrim. And then I played Skyrim, and I was like, that was fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. if you have time, uh, Valkyrie Elysium will actually be kind of in the middle of a lot of RPG releases. Um, they include Diofield Chronicle. That's a strategy RPG. It's coming out September 22nd. Elysium on September 29th. Near Automaton Switch is coming out on October 6th, which also yes. has very similar vibes uh, to Valkyrie Elysium. Uh, Star Ocean, the new Star Ocean, is out October 27th. And Harvestella. That's the new Square Enix uh, starting Valley. Those are all yeah, Square I'm really Enix games. That one. What, yeah, what did they're... Square Enix decide to do? Like they were just unleash the blunderbuss of RPGs on the small <laughs> Starfield blinked. <laughs> just everybody yeah. launch your games. <laughs> Seriously, just get it out really fast. We got to get them out as ASAP. Oh, but they'll all be in the middle of the buzz of God of War. That's all anybody's going to be talking about. So got, that's yeah. why they're releasing so many. And it's like how, like, when some animals have a bunch of babies so that uh, only a few will survive after, like, they get picked off by seagulls. That's Square Enix. <laughs> Harvestella <laughs> is a spring game, if I've ever seen one. I don't know about releasing that game um, in the fall. But uh, good luck to you, Square Enix. Um, we're all going to be very, very busy. But Valkyrie Elysium... I'm feeling a lot more positive on this one than I did before. And I'm just going to buy it on principle because, I mean, my God, I've been waiting for a new Valkyrie profile game ever since Covenant of the Plume came out on the Nintendo DS. Literally, when I started my career in the games media back in like Dang. 2009, it was like the second game I ever reviewed. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's been a long time coming and I hope it ends up turning out well. This wasteland they say you are going We will miss your The reason I brought on Kihoon and Jay in the first place and kind of returning to the, the topic of big open world uh, Bethesda adjacent RPGs Fallout New Vegas. We're doing a little Pantheon mini as part of this live show. Uh, we are going to be talking about whether or not should be number one flashback to our top 25 rpg of all time in which uh nadia eric and i were locked in a room for three hours and oh, yeah. basically argued uh made a big old list and at the end we put fallout new vegas at the top and we uh we were, we were like hey like yeah this one a lot of our audience was like really fallout new vegas are you kidding me and we're like Yes, and we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about why or why not it should be number one on our top twenty-five list. Uh, a quick programming note before we kind of get going on this: uh, we have talked about this game. We just haven't talked about it in a while because you know it came out in a long time ago. Um, it, back in twenty seventeen, we did a big interview with uh, Joyce si Josh Sawyer and Fergus Urquhart from Obsidian. I'm Fallout New Vegas because uh, we actually went to Obsidian uh, to meet them and we were in a room and we got to hang out and talk about Fallout New Vegas and I did a big, re big retrospective on it. We also did our original Top 25 episode in 2018 where we named it number 13. Um, so yeah, Fallout New Vegas. Uh, usually during a Pantheon episode, 
we do a little bit of history, we talk about its reception, its legacy, and then we talk about whether or not it deserves to be in the Pantheon. So let's just start with a little history. It stretches back to the days of Black Isle Studios, the original developer of Fallout, because they were underneath the umbrella of Interplay. Um, Interplay at the time was in the midst of financial difficulties, and a team led by Josh Sawyer was working on a game called Van Buren, which was going to be the original Fallout 3. And it was going to feature the NCR and the Brotherhood of Steel. It was going to be on the West Coast. Uh, it was going to feature the Hoover Dam. It was going to feature a lot of elements, but it ended up being canceled. Uh, Interplay went bankrupt. The rights were sold to Bethesda for just over a million dollars, and a new era began. But after the success of Fallout 3, Bethesda reached out to Obsidian about doing New Vegas. Obsidian pitched the concept of doing a game between Fallout 2 and Fallout 3. Obsidian or Bethesda said no, but they were on board with them setting it in Las Vegas. And we ended up with the RPG that we did today. Um, I would say that the main legacy of Fallout New Vegas is it's kind of defined in opposition to Bethesda, in my opinion. Um, Obsidian enjoys dense, multi-layered storylines with many choices and consequences. There are three major factions with flexible decision-making, the ability to kill everyone except Yes Man. They really want you to be role-playing in this one. Whereas Bethesda, I think, just goes for sheer scope. They're all about having the biggest possible world. Hence, we have a game like Skyrim, and they like to tell lots of smaller stories within that world. And that also entices a lot of people. And of course, they laid down the foundation that would become Fallout New Vegas. And as backlash grew <laughs> to Skyrim and Fallout 4, fans embraced New Vegas as the counterpoint to everything that Bethesda was doing. Um, as I said, we named this one number one. We'll talk a little bit more about why, but uh, Jay and Cahoon, since we brought you on, I'm curious what your individual histories are and what your takes are. I'll follow New Vegas. We'll start with you, Cahoon. Um, okay. I, I think this goes all the way back to um, the Fallout series um, in general. So um, my first Fallout game was actually Fallout 3. Um, and because I love that game so much, um, when I heard that New Vegas was coming out, um, I decided to go ahead and um, buy the collector's edition. Uh, and to be quite honest, um, I feel that New Vegas is the sort of game that you grew into liking as opposed to something that just uh, wows you immediately, in that sense. Um, there is a lot of nuances about uh, New Vegas that, um, I feel that um, Bethesda wasn't really quite able to capture with, you know, um, Fallout 3 and then there's Fallout 4 and, you know, every everything else that's related to Fallout. So, yeah, I I, I played New Vegas. I, I think I spent too many hours on it. And the interesting thing was, um, I think I only played through the game twice. I did want to go back in um to to replay the game again, but you know, time is a time is a is a huge problem. Um, and the game is very very long. I think um I I played through all the DLCs if I if if I remember correctly, 
and everything you know the the way that the story was un- uh the these stories unfold um and even the choices that you make it's no longer a matter of you know if you kill this guy you're a good guy but if you kill that guy it's a bad guy um it's a lot more like you know it's it's a lot more multi-layered than that and i think one of the f- you know, one of my favorite things about you know how um about the game was also how it tackled um politics, which is pretty much not just you know black and white. Yeah, I could go and go on and on, but I think Jay should talk about it now. <laughs> yeah, passing the baton. Yeah, amazing. Uh, how about you, Jay? Yeah. So in terms of my personal history, like um, Fallout New Vegas was one of the first games that I played. Like when I was getting sort of back into games as a teenager like I had played as a kid and then I like didn't play for a while and then I ended up picking up an Xbox 360 and I was like okay uh I remember googling like post-apocalyptic video games like I I wasn't like I, I wasn't very knowledgeable about like the industry at all or anything like that um, but for some reason, I was super into post-apocalyptic stuff. I can't even remember yeah. like what other stuff I was into at the time, but I remember Googling it because I remember like going through for ages like, oh, should I play New Vegas or should I play Fallout 3? Um, and I picked New Vegas first and I played it and I really, really enjoyed it. And um, I'm really glad that I did because I think that kind of set the stage a little bit more for like uh, the kind of... I think it's a better game, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So I'm glad that I played it in that order. Um, yeah, so, but I think what Kihun said is really interesting because um, it's definitely like, I really, really enjoyed it when I played it, but then I definitely started to appreciate it a lot more in retrospect when, like, I, I remember a few years after I played it, like, I watched, like, a Let's Play of it or something, and there were all these things that I never would have seen when I was playing just because there were so many different levels to it and stuff like that. Um, and I think that was when I was really like, oh, wow, like this was a really good video game that I played. And then I played it. I played it again since then, because it's one of those games that I think a lot of people keep coming back to. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's a really robust community still. Uh, when I was looking up like over on Steam, it's overwhelmingly positive and uh, the reviews are just people memeing uh, for the most part. Uh, but uh, people are still extremely invested in Fallout New Vegas uh, to this day. Um, and I think it has a lot of go- a lot going for it. I mean, Kihun was talking about the politics uh, because you have the New California Republic, you have Caesar's Legion, which is, you know, you have kind of centrist liberalism in the NCR, uh, typical kind of American expansionism, manifest destiny stuff. And then you have Caesar's Legion, which is just totally illiberal, uh, you know, there's just might, uh, might is right, right by might, as it were. Um, mm-hmm. But Caesar can intellectualize all of the brutality all the time. When you actually meet him, he's not a brute. He is a faux intellectual who will talk to you all day long about why he needs to crucify people uh, as you come up to him. I actually uh, was pretending that I was on Caesar's side and I wanted to get to the part of the storyline where, um, well, spoiler alert, uh, you have to save his life. Um, and I wanted to kill him and then try and escape. I don't think I was able to do it, but by and large, um, the storytelling in Fallout New Vegas is super flexible. I already mentioned the fact that you can kill everybody except Yes Man. Um, and Yes Man will just keep respawning. It's like, oh, you killed me. Lol. Well, here <laughs> I am again. You saw that. 
And then there's Mr. House, of course, who is the, you know, the playing the grays, as it were. And you, so you, uh, I, they have said, you start with the NCR and then you get to a certain point and you go, uh, NCR is not so great. And then maybe you go over to Mr. House and then you go, Mr. House is kind of awful. You know, like Mr. Mr. Libertarian over here. And then you ultimately go off on your own. And maybe that is the right call. And uh, it all culminates um, in the battle over the Hoover Dam. And Bethesda's kind of tried to do the faction thing over the years, um, most recently in Fallout 4. It has always been successful because it usually railroads you to make a choice. It's like, I don't want to make a choice. Well, you got to make a choice. Can I go off on your own? No. Pick no. between the Brotherhood of Steel or the Railroad or the um, the Institute now. And you're like, okay, well, uh, I, I guess I'll go with the Railroad or something. So what, what if I don't like anybody? So uh, that's that Fallout New Vegas in a nutshell. It's just a lot more sophisticated, I think, in how it handles its individual factions than, uh, than Skyrim or Bethesda games in general. I just wanted to jump in to say like that's something that I think sets it apart a lot from Bethesda's approach to the wasteland because I think like what I like about what what Kihun and you've have touched on is is that there Fallout New Vegas is like very concerned with what happens when you start to build back after the nuclear apocalypse and what systems can and should work because as like vile as Caesar is and Caesar is like a supremely messed up dude. Uh, he, he has reasons for why he thinks that installing this like Roman empire would work. You know, he basically, he can point to democracy. He can point to America and say like, this is the result of us trying. That is a nuclear wasteland. So maybe we need to try something else. And you have to then be able to, reason back it, it, that's what i like about role-playing games in general is when they uh good ones like disco elysium and stuff like that sort of present you with somebody's ideals and then you have to interpret that it's not so much like oh here do you want to like do the stuff with the the brotherhood of steel and get their super sick power armor or do you want to go with the, the enclave <laughs> over here like who whose armor do you want to get like that's um, for good armor Pretty sick yeah. armor right over here. I don't care if I go completely against my morals. Do you see how awesome that armor was? <laughs> yeah, well, and I mean, I I like the Bethesda Fallouts. I think they're fun RPGs to play. Um, they just never pushed me as much as Fallout New Vegas did to really think about what the ramifications of my actions are, what I believe as a person, what my character believes as a person, and I think that is so critical for a good, even great role playing game is to not just treat it as a sandbox where you can kind of just do whatever and, and have whatever. Like, again, not to not to beat this horse again, but it's why I didn't like Skyrim a lot is because I felt a lot of it was just whose team do you want to be on and, and you can run around. And that's great. That's fun. I, I love running around in Skyrim and doing whatever. But uh it's fallout new vegas is the game that really pushes me to think about why i believe the things that i believe and and ask questions of myself the whole way and then like you said opens up so much for role playing i mean we could go on and on about how the perk system and the trait system is so much more in depth in fallout new vegas and uh it lets you do all kinds of awesome stuff i love that you can be um what are they they're lady killer and 
Black Widow or something like that. Um, and you can be one as either uh, gender, which is really cool. I like that. Um, a lot of the characters, a lot of the side companions are so much more interesting for me and tied into them. And every faction's flawed. I love that every faction has its wrongs. You can easily argue why any faction is not the right faction to take over the Hoover Dam and the Mojave. Um, it's the NCR Just team is up with the robots apart. Yeah. Even if you install yourself as, as yes, man, then you've essentially just become dictator of the Hoover dam. And in some ways you have become the thing that is wrong. Like you have just seized power for yourself because you determine yourself to be the greatest arbiter of what right and wrong is. Uh, and is that a good thing? Who can say? Uh, so I, that's why you see threads still on Fallout New Vegas where people are like, no, actually the NCR is the best. And other people are like, no, yes, man's the best. And it's like, they can have those arguments. You don't see someone getting online and being like the storm cloaks are the only true answer for <laughs> Skyrim. Cause they're like, what are the storm cloaks? Is that the, so main the racist, story quest? the racist ones? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't touch the storm cloaks. I didn't really touch the Imperials either. I can't remember what I did. Just shot a bunch of people with my arrows i never got to that point because i was just like you know what i don't care i've got my werewolf girlfriend yeah i was hanging out <laughs> but, with the wolves but i got to go live in skyrim's world whereas i think fallout new vegas was kind of challenging me um and i think its themes are more pertinent than ever actually uh talking about just the, the quote-unquote failure of classical liberalism um maybe the like the rise of fascism and that kind of thing mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. may maybe fallout new vegas was a bit ahead of its time in the way that it was tackling a lot of those different themes yeah it was it was a thoughtful game it was one that wanted to like deal with some of that stuff i mean we've seen games that have done similar um but they're all from that golden age of you know troika and black isle and stuff like that whereas um, I, I don't know. You, you get something, you get a game that comes along and finally does start to grapple with that stuff. And it's Disco Elysium. And it's like everyone's favorite game nowadays. It's the one that everyone <laughs> like, you say Disco Elysium and everyone in the, in the Discord call goes, oh, Disco uh, Elysium. Uh, <laughs> except that yeah. there was one person who said, I don't like Disco Elysium. We're like, okay. Yeah, yeah everyone kind of like, mm. <laughs> uh, and, and, that's that's the thing that I keep looking at is like it's it's such an incredible game that I guess was ahead of its time, but even like feels reminiscent of a time when that was much more front and center in RPGs. Uh, and then we kind of got a taste for how big and how open and how sandboxy we could make them. And some of that stuff kind of fell to the back and Fallout New Vegas had the benefit of that. And then also had like a billion side quests that were all fantastic. Some of the coolest weapons yes. ever. Um like again the companions rule like everything about fallout new vegas is so sick <laughs> it's so good um speaking of the quests there's some really good ones uh jay and kihoon i'm wondering if you have favorites the one that stood out a lot to me was when you when i first entered uh new vegas and then i think okay so so it's been really a couple of years since i i, I played new vegas so Bear with me if I get any details wrong, but um, I believe um, you were asked by Mr. House to kind of unite the different um, different tribes, the kind of different tribes in New Vegas. And I think one of them involved the, I think the place, I think the, the, the one that was easily the most extravagant one, I think it was called the Lux or something. Anyway, the big twist 
about them, about the Lux, I believe, is that um, they're all cannibals. They used mm, to be yes. cannibals at least. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> Ex-cannibals. Um, yeah, they were used to be cannibals. And then there was a quest where you can kind of like... Um, you can you can kind of decide whether you want to bring that bring them back to you know their I would say so called like like tradition of you know cannibalism before or whether you 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 kind of want to make things a little bit different and I think again that again that threat of you know that storyline it's it's already there's there's already so many things to do with it but I think one of the things that that stuck with me was the one where you kind of, um, if you decide to, you know, bring them back to cannibalism. I think there was this guy you can kidnap, um, and I think he, you, you can basically find this guy who was like all alone in the desert and 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 pick him up and you know trick him into going into, a, you know, going back to the lux and 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 yeah, serve him as food for the, you know, for. for for the people in the Lux and yeah, that, that was, that was extreme. That was extremely moving. And I think one of the most incredible thing about it is that if you somehow feel in that quest to, to find that, the, the, that guy, you can sacrifice your own companions, which is kind of sick, but also yeah. kind of cool. <laughs> like, Oh, okay. I always wondered how you taste. Uh, Sorry, Boone. Do me a favor. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, I dog mean, meat! <laughs> yeah, oh, no, and not dog meat. In the end, I couldn't. Yeah, um, I think in one of my playthroughs, I sacrificed the the doctor. I can't remember his name, but he's really cute. Um, uh, I'm sure he tasted great. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I, 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 I think I think I had I had like a so called like like evil playthrough for that one, and I sacrificed the doctor, and it was it was. Yeah, it was just oh, incredible. Was that Arcade Ganon? Yes, exactly, exactly. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. He's very cute. No. He's very cute. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I sacrificed him, and then, yeah, I. It was. I. I think. I think what really blew my mind was that it. It's a bit cliche to say this now because everybody has said this so many times, but it's really the 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 incredible choice that you can do. Like, if you don't want to sacrifice this guy, if you somehow made the wrong move and you 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 end up sacrificing someone else, and Worst case scenario, you couldn't even find someone to to to. You couldn't even find the right person to 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 sacrifice. You can just use your own companion, and you know once your companion is gone, he's they are they are really gone forever. So, yeah, that was really memorable for me. Um, I think for me, like Kihun said this as well, but all of the companion quests are so memorable. But for me, like I know that in my first playthrough, I basically spent the whole time with Boone, and I think he's such a great character. Like. Um, I don't I like I don't know what it is about it. Like there, there's definitely characters in that game which, on paper, I find more interesting. Um, but I guess it's just because like that was my first playthrough, and that was like my first. Like I said, like this was one of the first, it one of the first RPGs I played basically. Um, so having that experience, you know, where where you kind of spend the whole time with that companion character and like go through their whole arc, that was, uh, that was really great for me, and also. I was very bad at video games at the time, so it was great to have like a very ah. strong sniper with me at all times. So that helped. For sure. Um, but yeah, his like companion quests, like, um, are kind of all focused around taking revenge on Caesar's Legion, which is also really fun because 
Um, it's fun to kill a bunch of Roman army LARPers. Um, and then the other thing which I suddenly remembered when Kihun was talking was like, like they said, you have to um, meet like all these different groups within the wasteland. And one of the ones that really stuck out to me was the Boomers, which is a very funny name in retrospect. But <laughs> um, they yeah. just hang out in like a corner of the map and will like blow up anyone who tries to go and visit them. But once you eventually make it through like that firing line, basically, um, to kind of get on their good side, you just have to do like a bunch of chores and just kind of help around in the community. And that's one of the things that's always really stuck with me about that game is like it feels like that's a really um, um, like representative quest for New Vegas because a lot of it is like a, we talked about this before, but like about this rebuilding kind of thing and even though like they're very isolationist, they end up like coming to trust you and that kind of thing. And I, I, I always thought that was like a really fun part of the game. I really enjoyed um, the, the one that always stands out to me is Arizona killer, because that's the one where you assassinate the president of the NCR or save the president of the NCR. You don't know, but it's more fun to assassinate him. Um, and there's so many different choices that you can do, including rigging up a hat and blowing them up. Um, and that kind of thing. Uh, you can actually rig up their helicopter to blow up. It's just a fun sandbox to try and figure things out. You can go in guns blazing, whatever. It'll work out. Um, I did the guide for Fallout New Vegas back long time ago, back on oneup.com. And I had to do every single permutation of, of that quest, but it was just fun to do. Um, and it worked out really well. I think... Um, before I continue, by the way, we have passed $1,000 um, in our raising money already. That's amazing. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, and as a result, we will be releasing Persona 5 Pantheon episode for free to everybody on the free feed. So thank you so much for your support. It's a good one. We had Michael Hyam on there. That was <laughs> a great one. Very energetic. Yeah, it's one of my favorite episodes that we've done. So go check out that one. Um, Eric, what's our next stretch goal? I, I was going to say, Michael, hi, I'm getting excited about Persona 5. I can't imagine. I know, right? <laughs> when, when, <laughs> our, our, our big goal that we've got right now, uh, the next tier that we're looking at is at 5,000. Uh, Kat, Nadia, and myself will tier rank, do a tier ranking of every PlayStation 1 RPG. Uh I've found a good tier maker. It's got a lot of bangers on there. Everything from Final Fantasy VII to Digimon World. Uh, and we're we're gonna really plumb the depths. So uh, yeah, no that that'll plumb. get once. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so once we get to five thousand, that'll get added to the schedule for the end of the day, whichever day that is. So if you hit it today, we will be doing that tonight. Uh, and otherwise, it would get added on to tomorrow. Uh, and then we've got a few tiers after that, but. You'll hear about those once we get closer. Well, we'll tell you once we get a lot of money and we'll get mad at each other. That's Uh uh, that's a good tier incentive right there. Make Nadia stay up till two in the morning. Absolutely. (laughs) Make Nadia stay up till two in the morning. Jesus. Uh, Keep in mind, we've got the giveaways, too. So uh, any donation over $20 gets you in the drawing for uh, the Xbox Series X. We've got the Famicom and uh, the Tales of Arise Collector's Edition and some other stuff at $10 or above. And at five or above, you get entered into a drawing for year one Blood God pins, Xbox Game Pass 12 month codes, 
Uh, and then during individual segments, we've got a bunch of other codes that we'll be giving out as well. I think we've got some coming up in the Nuzlocke run that'll be Capcom related. So uh, make sure you get in donations for that. So, yeah. Continuing on with Fallout New Vegas, I think that it's sort of a Rorschach test in general for how you see RPGs. Because when we talk about what's the greatest RPG of all time, a lot of people will throw out Chrono Trigger. Amazing RPG. Uh, no denying it whatsoever. I mean, we put it number two, right? I mean, and of course, that is the culmination of the Japanese lineage of RPGs. It brought together Yuji Horii and Hironobu Sakaguchi and Akira Toriyama. Uh, it was Final Fantasy meets Dragon Quest, two great tastes that taste great together. And it did have choices uh, that you can make. It had interesting outcomes, lots of different endings and everything. But in so many respects, from uh, the feel, the the whimsy, the, the way that it approached its choices, I would say that it was a very different experience from Fallout New Vegas. And I'm not saying that one experience is necessarily better than the other, but it's interesting to see RPGs reflected um, through a lot of different mirrors, as it were. Um, and, you know, it's kind of where you came from to which one that you actually favor. But in my case, at least, I feel like Fallout New Vegas is the clearest through line to the absolute dawn of the genre going all the way back to like a Calibeth and that kind of thing, which is like a classic dungeon crawler. Um, everybody from Richard Garriott to, you know, Black Isle Studios in the 90s aspired to accomplish what Fallout New Vegas ultimately did accomplish, which was to have this super choice-driven sandbox experience where you get to be totally immersed in this world. And even to some extent, uh, a game like Dragon Quest is part of that through line since it also borrowed so heavily from the classic dungeon crawlers and games like Ultima um, of the past. So to me, I mean, we talk about summations, right? Fallout New Vegas to me is a summation of the genre. And I'm curious what other people think of that. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. It's I, I think it is when you look at modern RPGs and you look at how they have evolved, I think some of them in some ways are still trying to chase what Fallout New Vegas did, um, having meaningful factions and, and different endings depending on your choices. Um, but also like the ways its quests interlink. Um, I want to shout out uh, H Bomber guy has a fantastic video on Fallout New Vegas that kind of goes into why it's such an amazing game. Uh, but in it, uh, there's this dissection of how one quest, which is actually one of my favorite side quests as well, which is this vault that's just overgrown with foliage. And there's all these like spore carriers in there. And by the way, creepiest vault I've ever played because all the spore carriers like hide in the grass and stuff and you can't vats target them <laughs> because oh. they're like blending in. So you'll just kind of see them like shift in the weeds and stuff and is, oh God, it's terrifying. Um, but H-Bomb kind of took a look at how all these different quests can end up pointing you to this one vault. Same thing for the uh, the solar area, like where all the solar panels are. There are so many different quests that all intersect or, or intersect or interlink or bring you through that area. 
And that's the thing. When I actually I booted up Fallout New Vegas the other day because we were considering doing a randomizer play uh, on here. Which, I still kind of want to do that. <laughs> uh, like it's terrifying. Fun fact. Uh, I walked out of Good Springs and there was a giant ant queen <laughs> standing there. <laughs> and uh, that was just a whole thing Vegas. to deal with. Yeah. Uh, but it. I think the thing I'm still just blown away by is how that world just wants you to see what's there. It, it's designed in a way that drives you to every point of it to even something like, you know, I know we talked lovingly about Elden Ring earlier, but I think one of the valid criticisms of Elden Ring is that it makes you really work hard to follow some of its quest lines, stuff like Millicent yeah, sure. uh, is very difficult to follow if you don't have a guide. Uh, Cause there are times when NPCs just like, I'm over here now for not, too yeah. discernible of a reason so if you I find like me it. you get to continue the quest um and it feels very like of an age where guides exist and stuff where it's almost like it feels like in a way developers are thinking like oh well they'll, they'll look up a guy for that it's okay <laughs> and follow to vegas like wants you to see all the things that are in its world it navigates you through the world in such an interesting way that you are always going to be coming across interesting stuff. Um, it, you are always making interesting choices. Just the way it's like your first quest, right? When you when you come back to life and you're like, well, I got to go find the guy that shot me in the head. <laughs> uh, you kind of have two options. You, you get told like, okay, he's probably in the Vegas Strip. And you look out and there's two ways to get there. And one way is directly through Deathclaw country. And you can do that if you want. You can go right through that area and get mauled by Deathclaws. <laughs> or you can take the long way around, which literally just has all these signposts of different areas. And it's where you run into Caesar's Legion for the first time. You run into an NCR outpost on that highway. Like it's so built for you to see everything as you're making your way there. Uh, and then if you want to just run through Deathclaw Country, you can do that too. And and it'll find they ways to introduce that stuff later. Uh, it's such a well-crafted and designed world uh, that I, I think a lot of open world games struggle to do nowadays as they put so much stuff in. And it's so hard to get players to go to the places and see the things because there's always cool stuff. But how do you get the player there? How do you get them to walk by and be like, I want to do that? New Vegas does it really, really well and really naturally. And a great setting too, right? Because mm -hmm. it's set out in the West. And I mean, that's where Fallout kind of got its start in so many ways. It was always more of a kind of a West Coast game, as it were. And then, of course, Bethesda, because Bethesda is based literally in Maryland, um, ended up moving the series to the East Coast with Boston and Washington, D.C. And I, you know, in my heart, I sort of always feel like, Las Vegas and that kind of area feels more the, the desert always felt a little more. I always love going to uh, DC and being on the subway and seeing Bethesda on the, uh, the stops. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Exactly. Um, but we've been talking about mostly what fallout new Vegas does. Right. Um, I mean, it's not a perfect game. Uh, I think a lot of people call out the bugs and they still call out the bugs uh, to the extent that if you don't mod it, uh, you still have crashing issues and that kind of thing. Um, like some of the most popular mods are designed specifically to address the actual bugs. And so I'm curious, like, are the bugs significant enough 
to say, no, this game doesn't deserve to be number one? Or does it kind of transcend those issues with all of the strengths that we were just talking about? Um, for me, okay, so when when I play a lot of, um, when I play most games, I, 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 tr- I tend not to put, um, I don't really install mods. I'm not really a mods kind of person. Um, the only mm-hmm. game that I actually installed mods in was actually Skyrim because I feel that Skyrim in itself, um, the I, 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 I think like things like the menu, um, you, uh, the UI of the menu um, for Skyrim, it's, it's, it's not the most perfect. So um, yeah. I think Skyrim was the only game and, and I think, okay, this is a bit of a Skyrim discussion, but yeah, Skyrim, it's a little bit unbalanced in the sense that um, I, think, I think Magic was for a period of time too too weird to use or something like that. So yeah, Skyrim was the only game that I actually downloaded mods with, um, mods in, and so for New Vegas, I actually didn't download any mods. Um, the bugs are, I don't particularly remember remember myself encou- encounter encountering any bugs that will that actually like um like of course there are weird bugs here and there like like um. NPCs like suddenly floating to the sky, that sort of stuff. But <laughs> there wasn't any particular game breaking bugs that I can remember. And this isn't just to me. This isn't just like um an obsidian thing, and it's obviously a Bethesda thing as well because Bethesda games are are so infamous for their bugs, and it's it's to the point where it's actually pretty charming because of these bugs, and. I f- that's exactly how I feel about New Vegas as well. Um, I honestly don't remember things like, um, oh yeah, this bug was was so frustrating that I couldn't play the game anymore. Um, and games like, for instance, um, I think there was one game. There were a couple of games that were so famously buggy you can't just you can't play them. It's games like um, Vampire: The Masquerade Bloodlines. Yeah, that game was extremely buggy. And then there was um, there was uh, Star Wars, um, yeah, Knights of the Round Table. Yeah, those games were very very buggy. Um, and yeah, by the way, uh, Obsidian actually made like Knights of the Round Table too, which was also one of my favorite games. So yeah, I love Obsidian. But yeah, um, I don't remember any bugs that really severely um, impacted my experience of the game. Essentially, yeah, um, there was actually I believe a pretty good update for Xbox backward compatibility uh, from Fallout New Vegas, is which actually, if you just want to play through Fallout New Vegas and not worry about actually modding it, um, it's a fairly good experience. And maybe that's uh, one to definitely check out. Um, if you're playing on PC, there's a, there's a lot of good ones out there, including one that adds a, a full weather mod, like full weather system, which, which is really cool. Um, you can also update all of your textures and everything. Uh, Josh Sawyer famously made a mod that makes it considerably harder. Um, and he said that he did it because he likes to walk the walk. And he said when he plays Fallout New Vegas, um, he doesn't play with anything but that mod. Um, I think that it's interesting because I so many people see modding as this crutch, I suppose. It's like, oh, the game wasn't finished, so now the fans have to come out. But a game has to have the merits to draw that big of an audience who want to improve it, right? Who want to build on what was started by the developers. And it becomes this collaborative give-take process. And um, 
a the mod scene can be so additive and so important. We definitely saw that um, in Skyrim as well, that it takes on a character of its own. And I, I just, I don't think you can discount the mod scene as a strength. For sure. Yeah, yeah. That system, pro or con <laughs> or neutral. Pro, I'm so incredibly pro. Maybe it's because I'm playing cyberpunk right now and you don't really know what you've got till it's gone. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, as I was playing cyberpunk, I, there were multiple times where I was like, oh, I really wish I could just vats right now and, and just turn this shooting into an RPG because I, there's so much about vats that is cool, like being able to shoot the weapon out of somebody's hand and stuff like that. But I don't know. There are just times where you get bogged down. It, it, it is fun to have that moment of panic where you don't have any AP and you have to just start hit firing your gun because you are so stressed out in the middle of a firefight. But I think when it's always that you don't have that unique tension and it just feels like a shooter that has RPG elements strapped on and VATS is what makes it feel more like an RPG where really like VATS is the primary form of combat. Nobody goes into combat as like, maybe I'll use VATS or, you know, maybe I'll think, no, you're going to use VATS the second you see something that is a red pip on your radar. <laughs> you're going to <laughs> VATS on it and be like 60% shot. I'll take it. <laughs> Their head exploded. RIP. I was just going to say, I think it was really important for me as well. Like I said, um, when I first played this and I didn't have a ton of experience in, in shooter games, for example, um, like that just made it a lot more approachable for me. So I've always been a fan of that as well. Yeah, it definitely makes it feel more like an RPG because you want to try and get the, the percentages up. And it's always a thing when you have a very high percentage chance of actually getting them and then you go... Oh no, I moved. I missed them. Also, now they're alerted to my presence. Well, this is going to go My best well. laid plans. Yeah, I mean, like most RPGs of this type, uh, there's a heavy emphasis on stealth. Um, maybe too much of an emphasis. Um, on the flip side, uh, I would say Fallout New Vegas gives you more chances to avoid combat uh, with uh, dialogue choices than uh, some of the other games. Uh, maybe most famously toward the end of the game when you're battling the legate, I believe you can get him to actually just quit and go, mm -hmm. oh yeah, you convinced me. Ciao. <laughs> and, and you can convince him, this is something that I also think is great about New Vegas. You can convince him using so many different, like you can use rhetoric or you can use like, you can't handle the supply lines if your barter is high enough. You can be like, you literally do not have the logistics to carry out a full campaign in the Mojave. Your supply lines are stretched too thin. Even the NCR can't manage it. What makes you think the Legion can? Like, this will be the end of the Legion if you try to do that. Uh, and he's like, oh, dang, you're right. You are smart about business and logistics and stuff. And you're like, yeah, because I put points in it. And it feels really <laughs> rewarding because... I, I think as much as I like speech as you know, everybody picks charisma, everybody picks speech, everybody loves it in games like Fallout, but giving more options for the player to be like, oh, I put a lot of points into medicine. So when I talk to this cannibal chef about why he shouldn't be serving people to other people, I can do the medicine check and be like, no, I'm a doctor. And he shouldn't Have you do heard that. of mad cow disease? So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it makes your, again, it's just going back to role playing and making your character feel like the sum of so many parts instead of just like, well, you picked the right 
option for this one you know as much as i love like deus ex human revolution uh there are moments where i was like well i could try and bust through that door and third person shoot my way through here or i could use that vent and the game's like good job you found the vent you get to go to the end of the level now (laughs) and uh new vegas doesn't do that it's this big open sandboxy thing of be who you want to be and the game is going to reward you for that at the right times and then also you can try i love that you can try a skill check and fail it and there's dialogue for failing it and the character will be like what are you talking about what are you stupid <laughs> like, <laughs> it's that's so good okay? i love that yeah and then fallout 4 dramatically simplified the dialogue yeah. choices much to the chagrin of many people um, and I think a lot of people are happy that Starfield is going back to more of the Fallout New Vegas style. I do think that it's a little bit contrived as dialogue systems go, but also it's maybe the best possible version of that particular approach to role playing. So it has that going for it. But so uh, we've been talking about Fallout New Vegas for a while. So I'm kind of wanting everybody's final thoughts. Uh, is it worthy of number one? Is it worthy of being the standard bearer of the RPG genre? Um, or do you think that maybe some of its more dated elements and its bugs and that kind of thing uh, just don't allow it to kind of rise to the level of the true titans of the genre? Like, I don't know, Chrono Trigger. I think what you said about those being very different experiences is definitely true. But yeah, for me, I would definitely still say it's number one for me. <laughs> I would like to see a version of New Vegas that, I mean, at the end of the day, um, Fallout is a Bethesda game and New Vegas still have to kind of stick to the Bethesda um, framework, so to speak. And there are good things and bad things. I think one of the things that I, I thought was quite funny and not in a great way was that, you know, this is the first game I, I I think that you're not playing as Vault Dweller, but you're still given a Pit Boy to start mm. with, which I was like, wow, you can never mm. get away from the Pit Boy. So it's 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's little things like that that like um I've always wondered, you know, if Fallout wasn't a wasn't a Bethesda title, um, if it's an Obsidian title, what else? What more can Obsidian do with with the game? You know, um. Mm. It's, it's still very much stuck in a very obsidian wrapper, uh, 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 so to speak. So, um, sadly, it is it is what I think makes it less interesting because of that. Yeah. What do you think, Nadia? Have we convinced you? Sure. I mean, I've never been, like, anti-Fallout New Vegas. Like, I haven't played it much myself, but I did, like watched my father-in-law play through it one weekend and I was like, yeah, it looked really good and uh, I want to play it. And Have thing we convinced has a lot you of... to play it? <laughs> I mean, yes. I, I, it is certainly like on my to-do list, but then all these JRPGs get in the way and it's like, ah, oh, well, you know what? <laughs> I will say, though, there's some hilarious memes that I love <laughs> surrounding the... Uh, I mean, there's one where um, I can't remember the dude who, who like, you know, gives you that speech at the beginning of the game. Like, you know, from here, you got to be the unluckiest person in the world, blah, blah, blah. Oh, someone Benny, took yeah. that speech. Benny. Someone took that speech and it's exactly the same, except instead of a gunshot, you hear him whip uh, like a, a red rubber ball at the player as hard as he can. So you hear, hear boom, instead of a, shot, a gunshot. And someone sat there and came up with this idea. And there's another one where 
um, someone put a whole bunch of explosive explosives around Arcade Ganon, and he's like, oh, I can't wait to see where this is going. And they press the detonator. He goes flying off into like the distance while Rocket Man plays in the background. And I thought that was actually really great. So <laughs> at least I know it for its memes, and that, that that's enough to make me like you know want to play it. If if a game gets memed, then truly it has longevity. Like it what is does. a true mm-hmm. what is a true marker mm-hmm. of a game's uh, cultural significance? The meme the meme ratio. So just go back and be like, okay, but how many memes does this game have? And, and not just memes, but memes that use Rocket Man. Like you, you got to be talented to have a good implementation of Rocket Man and something that you haven't seen before. And while he's flying off into the horizon, you see all that like stuff coming up. Like he has a broken leg, he has a broken this, he has everything broken. <laughs> and then he comes back down. And he's like, "Oh, in my professional opinion, that could have gone a lot better." So he's okay. Yeah, I mean, I've I've already said so much about New Vegas. I don't feel like I need to retread it too much. But I think it's just it wasn't when we did our personal rankings, it was not my number one. I think it was like my two or three. Um, And that's just because I love Undertale to a level that is so much. That was another controversial one. There are a (laughs) non-zero number of people in our Discord who were like, Undertale, what what is that even doing in the top 25? (laughs) Frankly, it wasn't high enough, but you know, we'll we'll take that up another day. (laughs) Uh, No, Undertale is a beautiful, wonderful game. I love it so much. Uh, But I I think when I think about the RPG genre, especially as as I was talking about earlier, like where we're at right now with the way that RPGs are being made and the way they're being thought about, uh, especially uh, North American developed RPGs, Western quote unquote RPGs. Um, Fallout New Vegas is the standard bearer for me. It's the one that always comes to mind um, when when you think about a 3D open world RPG. And uh, it, it's such an incredible game. And every time I boot it back up, it just feels like, I, I don't know, it just it's it's comfy. It's It's nostalgic. It's uh it's it's something that just is so good right out of the gate i love that i don't have to ever really install like a skip the opening of this game mod because god knows i install that for fallout 3 uh and fallout 4 (laughs) uh (laughs) like it's it starts good and never stops being an enjoyable time and uh I just like it a lot for that. It's such a good, interesting. We didn't even talk about how it's DLC is just absolute bangers too. Some I, I love Dead Money, uh, Lonesome Road. I think is the one about the other courier. That's also a very good one. Um, some absolutely great DLC. Uh, yeah, yeah. Keep nodding movies. emphatically. <laughs> Dead Money is so good. I think about Dead Money mm. way more often than I probably that's, should. Um, that that's the one with the the casino is just full of gas or something like that, is it? Yeah. It's it's oh. like Fallout did Danganronpa. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> oh boy, that's what we need. <laughs> decided to cross those streams somehow. Like, here's Fallout by way of Saw. And yeah, it works so well. It's very, Ouch. very good. That was difficult. Um, I remember playing... I love that, but I thought that was difficult to play through because, like, um, I think everywhere you go, you you... Like, I think you have... I can't remember, but you will be taking damage or something every time you're out in outside because there's some weird gas being pumped through the area. But I think that and how we expanded one of the companion's quest, I think her name is... I can't remember her name. Was it Rebecca or something? The one who was from the Brotherhood of Steel. Yeah. The way that... Yeah. 
Yeah. I can't remember. Veronica, I think. Veronica, Veronica. not Rebecca. Yeah. Veronica, yes. Um, yeah, that was that was really, really great. Yeah. As for me, I think that Fallout New Vegas is one of those RPGs where I'm like, well, if you want the quintessential RPG, if you want a game that kind of just represents the genre, I mean, there are a handful of games that I would put into that category. Like, I would put Witcher 3 into that category. I would put Chrono Trigger into that category, Final Fantasy VI. Um, and I would put Fallout New Vegas in there. And, you know, maybe it's a 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D kind of situation, ultimately, which shows uh, the folly of trying to put these lists, but I do think that you can make a credible argument for Fallout New Vegas being the best one because, <laughs> I mean, so much of this is about like how relevant it manages to stay over the years because that is a huge marker of its individual qualities. What draws people to this game? Well, people are drawn to it uh, to the the depth of the world, the, the politics, the flexible st storytelling, uh, the mod scene. And that is why Fallout New Vegas uh, remains so insignificant to this day. But yeah, no, if you want to hear lots more, uh, we did do a whole Top 25 RPG remake segment uh, episode. It's available to our patrons. Um, oh, actually, it's available free now. It's on our free feed. So you can go check that out. It's a great time uh, putting together that list. And I'm sure we're going to keep relitigating it for quite a while longer until it comes time to rebuild it again and put some other game randomly at the top. It'll be lovely. Rise, it's time now for our ongoing segment, the summer of Gundam. Yes, we've been talking about Gundam all summer over on the Discord. Um, I've been watching the original Gundam. I've come to a conclusion. I'm just going to skip Zeta and double Zeta this time around. I uh, just mm -hmm, don't think it's mm -hmm. worth watching. Just too confusing. Just going to skip right on to uh, Gundam The Origin and then counter, Char's Counterattack, or as what I call it, the, the machete uh, order for Gundam. But Eric, you've been watching 8th MS Team, I see, and you've been really dinging it. Oh my god, it's so good. That's that's kind of like when we talk about my what we've been playing or whatever. Uh, it's just been living the life of 8th MS Team. That series is so good it's so ridiculously good um it is for for anyone who did not listen to our gundam episode or anything like that it is a series that is essentially they imagine what the land war uh during 0079 would have looked like from the perspective of the rank and file infantry uh you kind of follow this squad that is three mobile suits, uh, a radio truck, which is just the coolest thing. I love that there is like radio and communications and comms and stuff. And they're worried about their lights being on in the jungle and sight lines and terrain and all that. It's so grungy and and gritty and uh, full of heart. There's there maybe arguably some aspects that have not aged super well uh, revolving around certain characters, uh, but Overall, it is, I, I think, just such a cool... It, it makes all the Gundams seem heavy in a way that they don't feel in any other Gundam thing. Like, when they're flying around in space and zooming around, and Char and Amuro are, are like, zipping at each other, and, you know, telekinetic or telepathic pinging off of each other. It's, it's very, like, floaty in a way. But when they're on the ground, and you see these Gundams get hit by, you know, a, a blast, and they like reel backwards and stuff. It's, oh, it's very, very good. It's, it's just something, something else, something completely different. And I love how 
on the ground it is it is also very like very much they did what if what did the vietnam and korean conflicts look like if they had gundams um and they do actually tackle some of the the ideas of like occupying forces um a lot of the early episodes involve like they the main character doesn't want to take on certain battles because they're close to towns and they're worried about like there is uh like the Xeon force is occupying a town and they're concerned about like collateral. And uh, one of the main factions is the guerrilla faction, the local fighters. Uh, so there's like, they try to do a little bit more than just have like, well, here's Xeon and they're the, the bad space fascists. And then here's the Federation and they're the, I don't know, like cigar chomping, uh, <laughs> like, like uh, you know, earth principality and all that. It's just, it it has a lot more going on which is really surprising considering it's a very short series it's only like 12 episodes i think but it gets to do so much in that time that it it just works it's so so interesting and so good uh so yeah banger of an opening oh yeah oh yeah the music shine in the storm very good it's i wish it were on youtube i could not find it anywhere but you can go watch it uh over on hulu and also Mm -hmm. for my money the best single actual mobile suit fight in the entire series. Um, yeah, we, I've been watching the original mobile suit Gundam. And one of the things, uh, the way I judge a Gundam is, does the Gundam actually feel heavy or does it seem like a toy? And if it feels really super heavy and mechanical, then I'm like, okay, this is pretty good. And all the best ones usually um, have that feel. But Nadia, you haven't been able to watch Gundam at all because your your internet stole your Iron-Blooded Orphans <laughs> My- time. Yeah, the internet when it went out, it stole my Iron R.I.P. time. R.I.P. Um, I did see some people talking about Wing again on Twitter though, so that oh, yeah. entered the discourse. That's it the 25th has. anniversary, right? Of, is uh, it really? That's right. I suppose it is. Oh my good, how old am I? Jesus, so long, so long ago. Uh, oh my goodness, so many, so many people our age. That was like their first boy crush. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. My my crush. friend was way into Gundam Wing and was making all the boys kiss. Um, in their fanfics, <laughs> for sure. Um, Kihun and Jay, do you have a relationship to Gundam, or are you going qua? <laughs> no relationship. Uh, a little bit of qua. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, um, I feel like, like once a month, I hear something really cool about Gundam, and then I have to file that away for the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I have to file that away in my extremely long list of media that I would love to get onto someday. <laughs> For sure, for sure. It is pretty long. Uh, like yeah. I was going, boy, there's a lot of a lot of shows. That's why I was like, yeah, just 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 get Zeta and Double Zeta. You'll just get confused. Just go straight to Char's counterattack. It makes more sense if you just go. Char makes more sense if you skip from the original series all the way to Char's counterattack. Um, anyway, that was the Summer of Gundam. If you want to talk more about it. We're having a big old conversation over in the Discord, and we did a uh, a special guide to Gundam, which. It's more for veterans than it is for newcomers, but that's our excuse we, now. We did have a good conversation. And now, Nadia, it's time for us to take you home. So, what do you got for us this week? Okay, so. As this was 1992-ish. I was in grade eight. And of course, uh, I suppose it's the same in America where at the end of 
like kind of your high school or like, you know, even just like your elementary school, because it was the end of elementary school, like kind of for some reason start to try to indoctrinate you into colleges and kind of teach you about like what colleges you can go to, this, this and that. So we happened to visit one in particular. It's in kind of the northeastern end of Toronto. And uh, we did the usual thing. You, should, you know, when you grow up, you should come here because blah, 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 whatever. And then the guy who was giving us presentations, like, I have a present for all of you for coming. And we're like, oh boy, presents. And <laughs> he hands us these tapes, because of course it's a tape cassette, that's the, the era we lived in. And it was a single. And we're like, what the hell? And it's for some band called Our Lady Peace. And I'm like, we're like, who are these jabronis? Like, and the single was for the Birdman. And again, this is 1992. No one's heard a damn thing ever about Our Lady Peace. And so here we are with these demo tapes or whatever the hell they are. And we're like, okay, fine. And we're kind of making fun of it as we're on the bus home, like saying, what is the Birdman? <laughs> is this a rap about birds? So we're all in the, we're all in the bus, like in the back of the bus, making up this, this bird rap going, do, ah, do, 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 ah, just making, <laughs> making complete fun of this Our Lady Peace. We were like, obviously like really pretty damn big now so i actually got home and i gave the tape to my brother and i said do you want this because he was big in, in the music especially independent music he's like yeah sure i'll take it and listens to it and he's like this is really really good and i'm like yeah, I'll, I'll take your word for it but he started following our lady peace as they went to like you know small like bars and stuff in toronto and he became kind of a a, a big fan that way and now nowadays it's like you hear Our Lady Peace on the radio, Reverend. It's like I knew those. I knew those assholes. I knew it when they were had this this song called "The Birdman" that we all totally made fun of at the back of a bus, in grade eight. So, that's just look one at of them those, now. One of those weird Canadian stories, like because the reason why we even got these demo tapes is because uh, supposedly I looked this up. I don't know if it's one hundred percent sure or not, but the producer, their producer at the time was a and it still is a prof at the college so he must have said okay these guys have potential i'm gonna give these little shit-headed grade eight kids uh, the, the demo and see what happens and well that's what happened you got the birdman rap but I, <laughs> like i said i did pass it off to my brother who had also a lot of friends in the music space and i, I guess like he probably told them hey you know this is a, a good band and uh, unfortunately my favorite our lady peace song which is um i think it's whatever which they will not play anymore. You will not find it anymore because it was the theme song for a certain Chris Benoit. And that's that sad song's fate, unfortunately. So there you go. That's my story for this week. And it's it's an odd wow. one. I'm glad that we managed to get a little pit content in there yeah, with yeah. The, the Chris Benoit the Chris, mention. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. know exactly. Seriously. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know uh, Our Lady Peace super well but i do like the idea of your i do like the idea of your brother making them big <laughs> well he didn't make them big but i'm sure he, he helped a bit he at least he followed them when they owe well, everything Canada, to everyone, knows everyone. <laughs> no exactly that's the way it works it's toronto i mean i was actually once at a u2 concert and i'm standing in the front row and i see the drummer from the bare naked ladies in front of me i'm like hi and he's like hi so that's kind of just canada right there <laughs> and that was Nadia's Nostalgia Nook slash Pit, which is something that we do every single week. And that's it for this week's episode of Acts of the Blood God. But there is so much more to come over the course of this weekend. We're going to be jumping into 
the Nuzlocke run with Reb Valentine. Just a hot second. Uh, Eric, is it still Chikorita? Is that what we're going with? I think yeah, you're let, stuck with Chikorita, Kat. Yeah, let me let me do a live check-in here on the Tiltify once I find it in my my tabs. Last I checked, we had like $1,800 already as well, which yeah, is awesome. Yeah, we are awesome. over $2,000 raised already. In Amazing. Oh, you're going to make me also, you're gonna make me stay up to 2 in the morning, you people. You people. Donating to Trans Lifeline. Yeah, get up to 5K so that we can go rank some PS1 RPGs. Let's go. Uh, the poll as it stands right now, Totodile has made a comeback. Uh, what? Totodile is in the lead child. at $920 with Chikorita just behind at 810. Cyndaquil, I'm sorry, you're at 205. I don't think you're making it through. RIP. But uh, you've got a little bit of time here if you want to try and push Chikorita through. Otherwise, Totodile is the presumptive favorite for the Nuzlocke. I'm going to name it. I'm going to name it Nadia 3. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nadia 1 and 2 have met terrible fate, unfortunately. <laughs> Oh, Nadia 2. <laughs> <laughs> Nadia 1 Nadia one died. Uh, Nadia 2 had his dreams eaten. Nadia oh, 3 is just a little crocodile. Like, nah, 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 nah. I love the idea I, of like having my bad. dreams eaten because I have really messed up dreams. Like One time I dreamed that Barney Rubble was... The three-minute warning had sounded nuclear war was coming and Barney Rubble was banging <laughs> on his mother's door screaming for her to come out. And... <laughs> yeah i mean good luck if you want to eat that be my guest but you're gonna have a stomach ache. <laughs> no it is like hold on i got one more pit <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got one more story it's like eat what? my dreams at your at your risk dude oh my god eat my dreams you say what do i dream about that that's a good dream yeah. that was really interesting if you enjoy the podcast, you can go and review us over on the podcast of your choice. You can follow me on Twitter. That's the underscore catbot. Nadia's at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at CMoosey. And one more time, Kihoon, where can we find you? Um, I'm on Twitter at Crepstacular. C-R-A-P-S-T-A-C-U-L-A-R. And Jay. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at J-M-Castello. J-A-Y-M-C-A-S-T-E-L-L-O. There's lots more Acts of the Blood God charity where that came from. So keep on watching. We'll be back in about 10 minutes with the Nuzlocke run. But until then, for Nadia, Eric, myself, and Jay, and Kihoon, thanks for listening, and happy adventuring. Happy adventuring.